Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 1st, and uh, we're going we're gonna to skip the April Fools today. Uh, you know, I'm joined by my good buddy, Andrew Hansen. Uh, Andrew, we were, we were talking about it before air. I would love to do some April Fools, but I feel like we're all getting fooled around a little bit too much lately. So we're going to keep this classy. We're just going to we're just going to treat this like a regular old podcast. No jokes, no kidding asides. Uh, but how are you doing? How are you doing this morning? Um, and how's school going, Mr. Teacher? <laughs> yeah, well, I got the morning off today so I could do this podcast with you. My wife is handling the morning school duties. I'll take over in the afternoon. But uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, we're in the we're in the basketball mode here and digging into these NBA teams two at a time without any new action to, to watch, of course. But I just can't stop thinking about this documentary I saw last night. It wasn't on the NBA. It was on college basketball. And it was the HBO documentary called The Scheme, which is a two-hour in-depth, you know, basically ride through the wild, wild couple of years involving this Christian Dawkins, this runner agent who was paying players and players families to try to steer them to certain colleges but then the fbi got involved and they were getting him to bribe the college coaches and and i remember hearing about that scandal and all those trials for bribery and fraud and guys going to guys going to prison for you know making payments to these players families and it is just really entertaining on a lot of different levels. So I just want to recommend it to you if you, you didn't get a chance to see it and all of our listeners. I mean, it is really entertaining. No, no, I, I, I have not seen it yet, but um, I will take your recommendation. I mean, I'm just starving for any sort of sports uh, content at this moment. I'm sure a lot of people are. So I'm definitely going to check it out. And then we also have that other one coming up, April 19th, uh, Michael Jordan. So uh, and the Chicago Bulls. So I'm really looking forward to catching that one as well. And I'm sure you're pretty pumped up about that one. Uh, yeah, it's nice to have a little content that we can work with. Yeah, definitely. I've got the the Jordan and Bulls documentary on my calendar. Um, I think it's going to be every Sunday for five or six weeks. Right. That's going to be a blast. I can't wait, man. It's going to give me like something to sit down and enjoy and look forward to. Uh, you know, maybe we'll even, uh, you know, we'll have a little conversation, I'm sure, in our discord afterwards. I'm sure everybody's going to want to talk a little bit about it. So uh, it's going to be fun. And it's it's something to kind of keep us engaged, I guess, with everything that's going on right now. And I don't know if you saw what ESPN posted on, uh, I think it was on Twitter, but they, they named Michael Jordan the best college basketball player of all time. I thought that was a little weird. Uh, greatest player of all time. Like, yeah, 100%. Not going to disagree with that, but I don't think I could agree with him being the greatest college player of all time. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't get to read too much about it, but I saw that Magic Johnson posted his vote for Lou Alcindor. Um before he came, became Kareem, and his description was pretty persuasive. Three titles, three Final Four most outstanding players, 88 and two team record. I mean, that is that's tough to beat. So he may get the the vote from from me. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, you know Kareem definitely much more deserving. Um, just just uh, what he was able to do there. It's no one's ever going to be able to do that again. Let's be let's be real. I'd be shocked if we could see another dominant performance because it's not you know necessarily just like the NBA where uh, you know coaches, GMs, teams they build these teams to be structured to be good for four or five years. Usually, good teams in college if they're that good, players get drafted, players go on, That's right. uh, and they got to start rebuilding. But he was able to remain dominant his entire tenure there. Like you said, the record speaks for itself. The championships speak for itself. And then he just came on to, into the NBA and just, eh, let me keep winning. Uh, right. you know, not, not, I'm not tired of winning. Let me just keep on winning. Uh, go on to be the greatest scorer of all time kind of thing. So uh, I, I would probably have to side with Magic on that one as well. I think ESPN got that wrong. So, uh, But, you know, there's I'm sure there's probably like five or six other players that if we wanted to sit here, we could make a case for as well. Uh, but we'll end it right there with Kareem. I think that's a good one to end on. Okay. Agreed. <laughs> All right, man. So we got uh, we got some teams to get into, uh, kind of like Andrew's been saying. We've been breaking down two teams a day. Today we will be covering the Golden State Warriors and the Milwaukee Bucks. 
So uh, if this was last season, we could say these teams are on the same level. But on this in this season, they're on the complete opposite sides of the spectrum. Uh, we have one team basically looking like they're going to get a top lottery pick and the other team looking like it's got a possible chance to win a championship if we have a championship this season. So, uh, I mean, we're going to jump right into this, Andrew. Um, you know, I can I can get going with the Bucks right off the rip. I mean, uh, actually, no, maybe we'll save the Bucks for last. We'll, we'll save the Bucks for last. I'm going to let you jump into some Warriors information because I'm actually kind of uh, excited to talk about them. I mean, we only got to see Steph Curry back for one game, uh, but we got to see him back. So, I mean, that's the that's the positive. Uh, and what what are some of the things that you've noticed with Golden State as far as uh, expectations, I guess, they had coming into the season? Uh, you know, knowing that Clay Thompson was most likely not going to play, but they thought they had a healthy Steph coming in uh, and still were going to be able to compete. And then kind of how those expectations changed throughout the season. And, you know, even bringing bringing Curry back, did do you think those expectations changed when they brought Curry back? Yeah, it really it really has been interesting with the the fluctuation in the expectations to have a team right near the pinnacle last year. And then they get devastated by injuries. Durant's out the door, Clay's out for the season. Uh, but you still thought, well, you know, Curry and Draymond, they can hold down the fort and, and be a solid team. But then uh, Curry gets injured early. And, you know, I, I've enjoyed um, kind of watching how they all handle it. You know, I, I just think the, the Warriors are a class organization. Uh, love Steph Curry, love Steve Kerr. And, you know, we've talked before on recent podcasts about how Kerr basically addressed the fans and said, of course, Curry's going to play if he's healthy and we're going to bring him back because you all deserve it as fans. And I mean, that, that's just a treat for us as NBA fans to get it, to watch a guy like that. He's just one of a kind, just an incredible shooter, player, person on and off the court. Um, and you, you mentioned that one game back for Curry. And it's kind of nice because. You know, the, the you talk about expectations and because they lost so many games when he and Clay were out, we don't have to worry about, oh, well, now they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to hurt their their seating for a high draft pick. I mean, they're almost mathematically locked into one of those top three seeds in terms of best odds at getting the, the top draft pick. But so it, it's nice that we get to see him again here a little bit. Um and the Warriors are still going to come out of this with a with a top draft pick. But, you know, I I just I love how Curry in that first game back. Uh, he, had, he was on a minutes limit, but he still managed to go 23 points, six boards, seven assists and pay off value in, in daily fantasy. So um, he also shot eight for eight for the from the line. And so he's now it's one of those stats that you may not have noticed. He's 26 for 26 at the line for the season. So perfect at the line, even though he's been injured all this time. Pretty impressive for probably the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. And I mean, at this point in this stage of his career, I don't even think there's an argument that can be made. Um, you know, a guy's probably still got a good eight years left in his career and he's already the greatest shooter of all time. So those numbers <laughs> are just going to keep piling up. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, I mean, you talked about, you know, giving the fans a treat. And I think that's exactly what it is. Letting Steph Curry, you know, it's hard to be such a winning organization for a few years in a row and be so good. And then to immediately be a team that's in lottery pick consideration, uh, it's tough for the fans. But one thing I noticed is that they were still 10th in the league in fan attendance uh, during this season. So even with all that, even with everything going on, you know, having to watch guys that are primarily like a G League team, we could say, um, they were still 10th. People still showed up. People still wanted to watch them. You know, Golden State is is becoming one of those fan bases that uh, for the next 10 years is going to be one of the more prominent ones. So um, they still showed up. And I think that, you know, that's exactly why Steve Kerr wanted to give the fans something to look forward to. I mean, every kid in that stadium had a pair of Steph Curry jersey or Steph Curry jersey or a pair of his shoes or something. Uh, it's no secret that he's one of the foundational pieces in the NBA. And, you know, even going on now during this this traumatic time for our, the world, not even our just our country, um, he's he's sitting at home. He's talking with doctors on Skype, trying to get information for people overall, all around. Great dude. Great player. One that I'm sure everybody is very happy that he's back on the court. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we talk about potentially coming back to some more regular season action, and, of course, that's what we're going to need if Golden State's going to play any more games this year. Um, I wanted to dive in a little bit on, you know, looking at daily fantasy targets, guys to avoid. 
And since we started with Steph, I'll, I'll touch on the rest of the starting lineup a little bit with those studs. Draymond Green has just been a real disappointment. For the season, he's averaging 8.6 rebounds, 6 assists. And it's been one of those things that we've tracked where he just seems so disinterested so many nights. And this, the stat that jumped out at me is he's only attempting 7.3 shots per game. So he's just not he's not trying to score. You know, he's just running around doing his normal thing with the rebounds and assists. But then even looking at the defensive side, you know, he's always in contention for defensive player of the year, first team all defense. He's averaging 1.4 steals and 0.8 blocks. But then if you look at Andrew Wiggins, since Wiggins has been in town, he's averaging 1.3 steals and 1.4 blocks. So a total of 2.7 stocks, and Draymond's at only 2.2. Who would have guessed that going into the season? I, I definitely wouldn't. I mean, I, I know Niggin, Wiggins isn't necessarily known for his, uh, you know, defense, but, you know, he's long, he's athletic, and when the guy's motivated, let's be real, the, the Warriors' defense has, uh, has been awful. So a lot of teams are getting more buckets, there's a lot more transition baskets, there's a lot more shot attempts, and uh, therefore, it's given guys a couple more opportunities to come up with an extra steal or an extra block a game simply because people are taking more shots against them. It's it's their defense, I believe, is ranked 25th uh, this season yep. in defense efficiency rating. So it's it's not good. Um, it's been one of the teams that we've been targeting all season long. So, I mean, it, it, there's always a tail behind the tape. So when you see something like that and it's an outlier compared to what Wiggins has done throughout his career, uh, there's two answers for me. It's either A, he's putting together a simply just a good stretch, small sample size, or B, it's exactly what we were just talking about. Just playing on such a poor defensive team that allows so many extra shot attempts is just allowing him to have a couple more uh, opportunities to get some of these stocks. So um, I'm definitely shocked by him. I'm, I'm shocked by the way Draymond's been playing this season. I mean, it, it, there's something going on, whether it's injury, uh, lack of interest because he knows he's playing on a G League team, a combination of them both. He just doesn't look like himself. Uh, and that's just the, the bottom line thing. And I think most people, I think going into the next season, will be able to just kind of chalk that up and say, hey, it was a lost season for the entire team, and they're not going to look into it too much. But it's also a different team he's playing. I mean, this team over the past was always running a lot of small ball, where we see Draymond at center. Well, Marquise Chris is now in town, and he's been playing great, and he's kind of earned himself another another nice little deal. Um, and he's soaking up a lot of those center minutes. So he's grabbing a lot of the rebounds. He's, he's kind of clogging the paint a little bit more, forcing Draymond to kind of play a little bit out of position. So... There's some things that um, that we do have to take into account, and I think that might be one of the things I look at when this season, uh, and if this season kind of kicks back off, is uh, just the rebounding upside Draymond's going to have playing al- alongside of Marquise Chris. That's definitely going to go down. And now with Curry back, it's not like he's going to be bringing the ball up the court as much. Obviously, there's still going to be point Draymond here and there, uh, but Curry's got to have the ball in his hands. I mean, one game back, and the guy had a usage rate of 27.2%. Um, and that was just his first game back. You got to imagine that's going to spike up to probably 35 uh, once everything's getting going and he's playing 34, 35 minutes a night again. Yeah, those are some good points on Draymond. A couple more reasons why we want to fade him down the stretch if we have more regular season action. I also agree with you that next season, I think it'll be back to square one. I think he'll be a new a new guy. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to fade him at the beginning of next season, but I will down the stretch here. And then to finish up on Wiggins, um, you know, you're right. It is a small sample size. He's only been in Golden State for 12 games, but it seems like he's picked up the energy with, you know, the new surroundings, wants to impress the new organization. And when we get Wiggins with extra focus, extra energy, that's when he's worth considering because for so many games and years and stretches, he just he's another disinterested guy who doesn't attack the boards. He's not as aggressive defensively. I mean, for his career, he averages one steal and 0.6 blocks. So to be up at 1.3 and 1.4, I mean, that is a bit of an outlier, but we got to take advantage of this trend if he's going to try to play harder for this this new team. Same thing on the rebounds and assists. Career average 4.4 rebounds in Golden State. He's up at 5.1. And career assists, 2.3. This year for the season, he's up to 3.7. So uh, you're getting some more peripheral stats out of Wiggins. So I'll, I'll keep him in my player pool as we go down the stretch. But what I wanted to talk about as well, Mike, with 
Golden State here is some of these bench guys who, you know, you, you reference sort of the G League atmosphere of this team, guys getting a bunch of starts this year who normally would not ever see the starting lineup for a team like Golden State, likely will not next year. But I think it's going to really bode well for them next year to have these guys who got so many starts. So Eric Paschal is one of them. He's had 26 starts and had a pretty solid rookie year. He's 14 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.1 assists. And he's one of those guys who can give you a ceiling game if he is starting. Uh, I pulled out a few. He had a 34 and 13 game, a 30 and 7 game, a 24 9 and 6, a 22 and 13 game, and then a 25 7 and 3 game. So, um, you know, we've talked on some of these recent podcasts about following the news, you know, um, following who's going to be starting on a given night. Uh, he's a he's a great example of that. The next guy I want to mention is another good example of that, Damian Lee. Um, he's had 36 starts this year, so he's been a little bit more consistently in the starting lineup. And here are his numbers when he starts. Okay, Every single one of these numbers is higher than when he doesn't start. So when he starts, he averages 13.4 rebounds, sorry, 13.4 points, 5.3 rebounds, 3.1 assists, 1.2 steals, he makes two of five from distance, and he shoots 42%, 36%, and 90% at the line. So this is a guy that I think he's built up a lot of confidence, and I'm going to continue to play him down the stretch if he's if he's starting. What, what do you think about Pascal and Lee? Um, I, I think both have very promising futures. I think they both showed a lot uh, with all the injuries that were going on in there. But I think that they both also saw a lot of their good play because of the injuries. I'm a little bit more concerned once uh, once Wiggins came into town and now with Curry back just because, you know, just looking at the one game where both Curry and Wiggins were playing and healthy, um, you know, Lee's usage dropped down to 16.7 percent. Uh, from 19% going forward before that, and he's only averaging 0.82 DK points per minute with those guys on the court. So he's clearly taken a big hit in usage, and it's not a surprise. And the same thing with Pascal. Pascal's drops even lower. He's down to 12.9% with both those guys on the floor at only 0.77 DK points per minute. So I think it's really going to be taking some injuries, and and that's in consideration that Draymond wasn't even playing in that game. Um, when Draymond is, and if Draymond's in there, we'll probably look at Pascal even see his minutes dip a little bit more, um, and probably I don't know if his usage can dip much lower than 13%, but it's definitely going to impact both him and Lee uh, directly. So I I don't think I'd be going to, to those two guys um, as of uh, that much unless you know barring some guy sitting out or. Uh, you know, any sort of news like that uh, in like a spot start situation. I think I'd mostly be limiting myself to guys like Curry, Chris and uh, Wiggins. I know that's where the usage is going to be. Um, even if the usage isn't there for Chris, um, the rebounds will be, the defensive stats will be. Um, that's, you know, just a little bit more reliable. But I, I can I can see these guys prices definitely dipping because of all this. And it, it might only take, you know, three, four games before they're near minimum salary players. And then we can actually take them into consideration for our GPPs. Yeah, well said. I'm with you on all that. Uh, with Curry, Wiggins, Draymond out there, those guys take a massive hit. And so they're really more targets, like you said, if they're starting or if their price gets so low that you get them in there as a value player coming off the bench. So one more guy I want to mention for the Warriors is a gunner, Michael Mulder. He's a rookie who uh, some folks who you know don't follow – Every team closely, don't follow every box score, uh, you know, maybe sort of overlooked down the stretch there. I, I want to highlight him because he's he's new on the scene. He's only played seven games for the Warriors, but he started three. And, you know, you and I joke sometimes about these gunners like Jordan McRae and guys that just get shots up and we 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 target him. I mean, that's important in, in DFS and. Listen to what he's done in his seven games for Golden State. He averages 7.4 three-point attempts per game. And if you'll remember, I mentioned that Draymond attempts 7.3 field goals per game this season. So he's shooting more threes per game than Draymond is, is attempting field goals per game. So he is he's the definition of a gunner. He has His percentages haven't been quite where I think they will be. 
He's 39% from the field, 31% from distance, 75% at the line. And then his overall game totals, he's averaging 11 points a game, 3.3 rebounds, 1.1 assists. And this is a guy who, um, you know, he's not going to break a slate. But if you get him in a, you know, 3K price range on DraftKings, I think he's uh, definitely um, a guy that you can look at. He's also valuable in a showdown slate. Um, I can still remember one of the recent showdowns there before the stoppage where he was priced at like 2000 and, you know, he's low owned because he's new on the scene and uh, he can he can really make a difference. I I went and pulled up his G League stats. Um, He played three years in the G League, started off only 33 percent from deep, but then. Two years ago, he shot 41% from three-point land and then 40% last year, attempting 10 threes a game. So (laughs) he's scoring 17 points a game, making four three-pointers, shooting 40%. Um, So this is just a guy, you know, if you watch his shooting motion, it's not as pretty as Steph Curry, but he he does get it done. So I just wanted to mention him as one more guy who, um, if we can kind of project him getting solid minutes, then he's he's a value play to consider. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought him up because, you know, it, it forced me to kind of do a little bit of digging into him. And, you know, one of the things that stands out to me, yes, the shot attempts, the three-point attempts. I mean, he's only shooting 31% from three this season. But then he also leads the team. Uh, or not, I'm sorry, not leads it, but he's pretty. He's doing pretty well in effective field goal percentage, shooting, uh, you know, almost 51% from an effective field goal standpoint, um, which just goes to show he's taking smart shots. Uh, he's taking good shots. I mean, it's only going to get freed up more with Steph Curry back in the lineup. So uh, the opportunity will be there for him to shoot. Uh, will the minutes? Probably not as all these guys are getting healthy because now, you know, we're seeing, you know, Lee and guys like Pascal, they're still above him in the pecking order as far as rotation. Uh, those guys are getting to get pushed down a little bit. But, you know, let's be real. Uh, if this season does start or does kick back off, these guys, I would not expect guys like, you know, Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green to be playing every single day for the remainder of the season. Uh, these guys are going to need a little day off here and there. So I assume that guys like Mulder, Pascal, and uh, I'm sorry, Lee, will all all be valuable for us at some point in our GPPs. Perfect. And then I wanted to touch on a little bit about, you know, what we can expect almost, I guess, next season, because, you know, we're going to get guys back. We're going to have guys on contracts and everything like that. So, you know, what are some of the things that you're noticing that the, uh, you know, pivots and changes that we might see next season? Uh, Any guys that you think they might resign or anybody that you might have an inclination of a a position of need that they might be looking into? Um, I mean, we're talking about Kevin Durant leaving, getting Clay Thompson back. Now they have Andrew Wiggins. Is that going to be a you think that's going to be a primary part of their future? Or do you think they look to, you know, maybe see if anybody's interested in Wiggins in the offseason? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I had brought up their contracts and the four studs are under contract for at least two more years each. And, you know, Clay, four more years, Draymond, three more years with the player option. Um Wiggins three years, Steph two years. So if they want to keep that core together, then they're set up to do that. I think the big question mark for them is at center. Uh, You know, Marquise Chris has certainly had some good games for them. He's got some athleticism. I think he fits pretty well as a guy who is high energy, will get you rebounds, can score on lobs. Um, You know, then they've got Kevon Looney, who has – gotten some good experience with them especially in some of these playoff runs but i don't i don't think they're dead set on either one of those guys long term as the solution at center so i think that's the one question mark is can they find somebody uh you know maybe a veteran at a good price who they can pair with these other veterans and gear up for another run or maybe they do move wiggins um if they can find somebody who would trade a star center. I mean, that would be the one move I would make if, if I were them would be either, you know, finding something on the open market um, to make a change at center or moving Wiggins who, you know, even though we talk about his, you know, recent high energy and improved performance, he's not a guy who I would trust as, you know, a, a, a winner in the playoffs, um, a clutch guy down the stretch. 
I'm not convinced that he's that guy. So I would certainly look to move him if I could get a, a you know, a high level starting center out of the deal. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's the thing. Numbers have to match up. It's got to make sense for both teams. And, you know, one thing that kind of stands out, I know this is kind of like a hypothetical speaking, um, and maybe it's not the fairest deal and it doesn't even really make sense for the Raptors to do it. But Marcus Saul is a, is a name that kind of popped up uh, around that, you know, trade deadline as a guy that they were interested in seeing what they can get for him. Um, you know, I was talking the other day, I think it was with Santino, uh, you know, ended up keeping him. I think a lot of that just is the shape and the mold of the Eastern Conference is, you know, some teams in the Eastern Conference still have predominantly big centers that they need somebody to match up with. But Gasol's also been, um, you know, one of those centers that we've seen offenses run through, can pass, can play at the top of the key, can also shoot. Seems like he, you know, at this stage in his career, he's OK with taking limited role and limited minutes and not having much usage. He's OK. He just guy just wants to win. Bottom line. So I can see something like that maybe happening. It might take, you know, Toronto uh, pairing it with a pick or uh, one of the, you know, one of their young wings that they have because they do have plenty, whether it's, you know, a Terrence Davis, an OG, uh, a Norman Powell, a guy like that, whatever it may be. But then, you know, you also see Toronto get uh, a, a Canadian native. They get a guy that they know is young. He still has some upside. He's from the city. Uh, maybe they're going to be looking to rebuild next season with some of their guys leaving. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, that's just a pure speculation. Probably doesn't even make sense as far as the numbers, but it's the first thing that popped in my head, so I thought I'd mention it. Yeah, I like I like where you're going with that. Some good creativity there. Certainly Toronto might, would have the interest in Wiggins as a Canadian guy, and Golden State would certainly appreciate Gasol's defense, the fact that he can shoot from distance. I mean, you know, it's just one more guy to, to be out on the perimeter with all those knockdown shooters. And so I agree, yeah, if, if they were going to make that trade, Toronto would have to throw in a younger player and a pick to go along with it. But you could probably do worse for Wiggins than that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think so. I, and I don't think the Warriors are a team that's concerned about such a, a thing as like, you know, star power or anything like that. They just want the guy that's going to fit their system and fit their team, know their role, want to win. Uh, and just have fun playing. I mean, that's the number one thing we see with these Warriors when they're winning. It's a fun environment. And all these guys are just loving life. So, uh, I, I, I mean, hey, we'll see. Maybe if I can, uh, you know, get my get my fingertips into, as as Santina would say, the Messiah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and see if we can uh, if we can make something like that work. But, um, you know, we have to we'll have to see what everybody's plans are going into the offseason because we don't even know what the Raptors are going. I mean, hey, this they're a win now team. They're second in the Eastern Conference and. Uh, only six and a half games behind the Bucks right now. So um, they're still a contending team. And, you know, their front office and their management, their coaching, Nick Nurse has been absolutely phenomenal coach of the year, in my opinion. Uh, I, I don't know. We got to see how, how this is going to play out. But is there anything else that you're noticing on Golden State? Any, like, fun advanced stats that maybe are popping out on your page that is just something that's, you know, worth bringing up? Because I think we got a decent understanding of what this landscape might look like uh, when the season does return and which guys we're going to be targeting. Yeah, no, I think that covered it. So if you want to transition over to the Bucks, I'd be happy to join you on that ride. Yeah, and what a transition it will be. Um, <laughs> just because we're going from, like like we just said, a uh, team that's 15th in the Western Conference to the team that is first in the Eastern Conference. So uh, tale of the take, I mean, a lot of people – when you watch the Bucks, it is what it is at this point. They're 53 and 12, six and a half games above the Raptors, like I just said. But uh, there's just so many things that are popping off the page as far as what they're the best at. I mean, they're first in margin of victory on the season, so they're absolutely destroying teams. They're first in pace, first in defensive rating, first in defense, defensive rebounding uh, percentage. So they're they're just overall just a fantastic team. And when we talked about, you know, just saying the word transition, and I think that's the big key that you need to bring up with the Bucks is it's I've been harping on this for years and it just pops out in the stats. It's the way that they play basketball. Um, they let Giannis do absolutely everything. And there's no shock and reason why they shouldn't. I mean, the guy's a usage rate of thirty seven point four this season. Um the next highest on the team coming from Middleton, their other all-star at 26.2%, Bledsoe at 24, Brooke Lopez down at 17, and then after that, it's Dante DiVincenzo at 16.9%. So, you know, all the usage is basically running through the top two guys. Bledsoe has really taken a backseat this season. Um, you know, the addition of George Hill coming off the bench and a couple of these other guards that they have have really spelled him. He's a guy that's kind of strugg uh, struggled to stay healthy throughout his career. And it's worth noting, uh, George Hill, ready for this, leads the NBA in three-point percentage this season, 48%. Love it. 
That's pretty crazy, man. 48%. Imagine I'm knocking down almost half the shots. And that's with a contested guy in your face, Andrew. If you were to stick me into a court or a gym, give me 10 shots from three-pointer, I'd be lucky if I hit two. Um, with nobody <laughs> he on can, me. He can stroke it. The veteran there, he knows what his role is. He comes in and gets it done. Yeah, but this is something that I thought was interesting. It's as, as good as Giannis is, as high as his usage is, did you know that it's actually Chris Middleton that leads the team in both offensive and defensive rating? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, I, I like that. I, I mean, it's got to be because a couple of the stats I picked out for Giannis, uh, you know, he's getting a little bit better as a three-point shooter, but he's only 31% from distance, and he's really struggling at the line. He's only 63% at the line this year. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why we're probably seeing the offensive rate, but the defensive ratings would shock me. I would assume that Giannis would have been – Heads above him. I mean, this guy, we see him, all the chase down blocks. He's known as one of the best defenders in the league. He can guard the positions one through five, uh, and he's not afraid to back down. He's not afraid of a challenge in any way, shape, or form with whoever he's going against. He'll take the best defender most of the time. So that's one thing that kind of popped out. And, you know, uh, not to mean to keep switching gears and everything, but I was talking about the transition and the pace, and that's kind of what the Bucs have been doing. And one thing I wanted to point out is their uh, acquisition of Brooke Lopez a few years ago was probably one of the best things that could have happened for this team. Uh, It gave them that, you know, defensive anchor at the rim. He's he's been one of the best shot blockers in the league since uh, he's been playing over there. And, I I mean, it was New Jersey when he was there, but we could say Brooklyn. Um, And one thing that pops out is – He's always been a poor rebounder, and I think that just fits so well. It's not necessarily he's a poor rebounder. He's a guy that can also shoot the three. We've kind of seen him build that game into him since he's been over there in Milwaukee, a guy that barely ever shot three-pointers on, a, on a, his former teams, and then now he's going out there being one of the league's best centers that can shoot threes. But uh, Lopez's rebounding percentage is only 8.3% compared to Giannis's, which is about 22 point, uh, 22.2%. And the bigger number I want to point out is the defense and rebounding percentage because – Giannis's rebounding percentage, like I just said, 22.2, but his defensive rebounding percentage is 34.5, Andrew. So uh, compared to Brooke Lopez's defensive rebounding, which is 13.2, and it's kind of one of those, just the function of how they play. They love letting Giannis grab the board. You'll see Brooke Lopez. He'll box out everybody. He'll box out every single person, allow Giannis to grab this board and just push that pace because they are leading the league in pace. They like to catch teams on the back of their heels. Because uh, nobody's catching Giannis, and when he's just flying through the paint at full speed, he's either going to have that breakdown uh, and have one of these excellent three-point shooters that they surround him with, whether it's George Hill's 30, uh, 48% from three. You got Kyle Korver coming off the bench, who we know is one of the best three-point shooters of all time. And then you, I didn't even touch on Chris Middleton, who's also a great three-point shooter. He's shooting almost 42% from three this season. So they just have a recipe that just seems to be working, and it's unstoppable at this point. Um and it all starts from just Brooke Lopez, kind of like we just talked about with Marcus Saul, a center knowing his role. He's OK with not leading uh, the team in rebounds. He's OK with not leading the team in usage and scoring because he knows his role and he knows that this is a recipe for winning. And the fact that Eric Bledsoe, a guy that is an undersized guard, has a higher defensive uh, or defensive and regular rebounding percentage than their center just goes to show you how how useful Giannis actually is. I mean, the guy's. He scored a double-double, I believe, in uh, it's something crazy. 52 double-doubles in 57 games this season. Uh, they're allowing him to just have his way with whatever way. And he's also leading the team in assist, rate, uh, assist to turnover ratio as well. So there's a lot of things that Giannis is doing right this season. I'm sorry, I said assist to turnover ratio. I meant assist, uh, uh, leading the team in assist this season. Bledsoe, I believe, is only 0.5 or 0.6 behind him. Uh, definitely not assist to turnover ratio. That's definitely wrong. Giannis is a turnover machine, and it's, it's the best players in the league are. If you go look up who leads the league in turnovers, you're going to see guys like James Harden, LeBron James, Giannis, I mean, Trey Young, uh, the guys that need the ball in their hands most of the time. But that's something I wanted to point out. And, you know, I think we've kind of seen that transition um, over the past few years of just kind of allowing the best player on the team. You see the Thunder do it for years with Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams. Yeah, Steven Adams could probably get 14 rebounds if he wanted to. But he boxes out, lets Westbrook grab that rebound and kind of push that pace. And that's been a recipe of success in the small ball uh, kind of atmosphere. And I think we've been seeing the same thing over there in Houston. So it's something I wanted to point out. Um, and I and I don't I don't see that changing anytime soon. But we're going to transition to just the DFS aspect of this. So one thing that we know about the Bucks, Andrew, is they're Giannis, fantastic, great players, usually around that 10, 11K range. Uh, same thing with Middleton, around that 8K range, fantastic player. But we never get all the minutes that we want from these guys. And it's 
because of the underlying stats. They're leading the league in margin of victory. So we're usually getting about three quarters out of these players. So I wanted to touch on a few of the players who kind of fly under the radar, who kind of get that fourth quarter garbage time run, because those are some decent values that we can look at. Because it seems like every every day that these that they play, um, they're blowing teams out by 14 in the fourth quarter. So who are a couple of players that you know um, off the top of your head or Perhaps maybe you've got some some research behind you. I, I didn't kind of throw this question at you before air, uh, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold it against you if you did not have it, Andrew. But who are some of the bench players that you kind of look at, knowing that they're going to get that fourth quarter blowout time run, uh, and do you expect to kind of be a you know near minimum salary that can easily pay that off? Well, the the three bench guys that I've been targeting this year for Milwaukee have been Dante Divincenzo. George Hill occasionally, and then Pat Connaughton. If DiVincenzo and or Hill are out, Connaughton has really had some games where he spiked a little bit near minimum price. Um, we've seen DiVincenzo more in that you know mid-4K range on DraftKings. He's been a solid value all season. A little bit more of a cash game play than GPP. George Hill... Um, Similarly, I haven't played a lot of him. I mean, he he has missed a few games, um, but those three are the ones I always look at and and try to figure out. Okay, who's in tonight? Who's out? What are their salaries? What are the chances that this is going to be a blowout? Um, and I've had some success playing one of those three guys. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of hard to peg because they're all a lot of their guys that you see that we want to play that we know are going to target some of those extra wingmen. It's play play wing. I mean, we got Dante DiVincenzo, Connington, uh, even like Sterling Brown. Um, all three of those guys we've seen be valuable in DFS at one point or another when they're just given a little extra run, a little extra opportunity at their low salaries. Uh, DiVincenzo, I think, obviously has the high ceiling. He looks like he's an excellent ball player. Um, very good defensively, too. Knows the passing lanes. Gets a lot of steals for a guy that doesn't even play a lot of minutes. So, um, you know, ran the numbers with all the starters off of the floor just so I can have a better idea of who I want to target in that fourth quarter. And it's DiVincenzo has a 26.7% usage rate with those guys off the floor. And when I say those guys, I mean Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, um, Brooke Lopez and Wesley Matthews, you know, the, the general starters. I mean, Wesley Matthews comes off the bench for DiVincenzo at some points, but DiVincenzo being the younger guy with the with the fresher legs is still getting more fourth quarter run and blowouts over a guy like Wesley Matthews. And it's turning into 1.26 DK points per minute. So uh, he's a guy that I look at regardless of blowouts, uh, regardless of the score, regardless of who they're facing, because I know he can, he's playing 26 minutes of the game's close, and he's probably playing 26 to 28 minutes of the game's not close. Um, you know, you, you touched on Connington. He sees the most minutes in fourth quarter. So out of all the guys in the blowout, he definitely sees the most minutes. Not the highest usage, though, a 14.6% usage rate, averaging just less than a DK point per minute. So we don't really care about that usage because he gets it done in so many different ways, whether it's steals, blocks, rebounds, a lot of different ways to get him to a point per minute. So great. I'm glad you touched on him um, because he's he's probably one of the primary options. And we used to be able to look at Ursan. And this is what I wanted to touch on because Ursan, whenever we saw Giannis is out or if, if you know, he's not going to get that fourth quarter run, Ursan jumps in there with a 19.4 usage uh, and averages more than a point per minute. So he's a, immediately like one of those plug and play guys. But then they go out there and they bring in a guy like Marvin Williams. Right. Uh, and that's kind of eaten into Ursan's playing time a little bit. And I don't know if you read up on this and why they went out. Did you did you see why they went out and got uh, got Marvin Williams? No, I don't remember seeing that. So Giannis was asked, uh, you know, what's it like playing with Marvin? Why, you know, what kind of addition is he going to be on your team and everything like that? And he said if there was one player he thought guarded him better than anybody in the NBA, one player that he struggled on, and you can even go look at their numbers against the Hornets for a little while, Giannis does not do good or not does not do well against Marvin Williams. So they wanted to eliminate that. They knew he was a very good defensive player, and they wanted to bring him in. So I, I think that even in that fourth quarter time, uh, the garbage time, it's not going to be Marvin Williams. They want to save him for playoffs. They want to save him for when it matters and use him. They don't want to take any chance of this guy getting hurt. And he's also going to be a free agent next year. So um, you got to imagine that they're going to look to bring this guy back if 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 everything comes to fruition. He plays as good a defense as they thought. So Ursan's probably a guy that I'm not going to look at as often as I would if Giannis sits and if, you know, in that fourth quarter run. And I wanted to touch on that just because of, you know, he's he's going to be, a, I think, a, a pretty big part of this team going forward. 
Yeah, I like that little nugget. It's almost like they wanted to make sure that none of the other contenders in the East picked him up. So smart, smart move there for, for Milwaukee. And I agree. You know, that was one of the things I was watching once he got to town is what's going to happen to these bench minutes between him and Ilyasova. And Ilyasova has really suffered from his presence. So I'm not I'm not going to him. Um, I'm not going to go to Marvin Williams either in terms of playing in a DFS lineup. But, um, you know, his presence has definitely taken away from Ilyasova. They're deep, man. The Bucks are deep. Uh, it's it, they're one of the deeper teams in the league. You know, Brooke Lopez, his brother, Robin coming off the bench. And, you know, Robin started for a few teams throughout his career, uh, generally a, a starting center. And it, it's also it's funny because they're twin brothers and they have the exact same personality. They're both goofy. They're both hilarious. Uh, but they have two completely different styles of game. So they kind of they kind of mesh well together. They're both seven footers, but one plays more inside, one plays more outside. So they have a deep team and they have so many different lineup combinations that they could roll out there and be successful with. And so many different if they want to go small, they can go small with Giannis and just load up and play these wings. They could play Wesley Matthews, Chris Middleton, Bledsoe, and Dante DiVincenzo all at the same time as well if they wanted to. There's so many different combinations, and they're one of my favorite teams to watch. And uh, just kind of seeing how this team has grown over the past few years. I mean, since even when Jason Kidd was there and they tried that experiment of just making them the longest team in the NBA, and they just had everybody in the lineup was like had a, like a wingspan of a six nine or seven foot guy. I think it was when they had Michael Carter Williams starting at point guard for a little while. Uh, they really grown, um, and I guess that'll bring us into what we can expect from them. You know, next season as far as roster personnel and money to play with and stuff like that. So. We'll jump right into talking about their contracts, and they have four guys that are expected to be free agents next season. It's Kyle Korver, Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, and Marvin Williams. And out of that group, I can only see them probably bringing back two of them. Uh, and I think it makes sense just to bring back the veterans that you can get on cheaper contracts. Kyle Korver is a guy that they love having there. Uh, you know, if we look back, I think when he was playing in Atlanta— he had one game where he scored, I think it was like 10 points in three or four straight possessions. And the Bucks were just so frustrated. Did it against their <laughs> team. It's another one of those aspects. Let's, I don't want to play this guy anymore. Let's go out there and get him. And he was just on fire. I don't know if you remember that game. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. But they were at, at one point, he was coming off his screens. They were double, double teaming him, triple teaming him. And he was just rising up over the screen. He was in one of those zones where he could not miss and just was getting buckets, put the game away uh, with like eight minutes left, gave them like a 10 point or a 15 point lead or whatever it was very, very quickly. So I expect them to bring back um, Kyle Korver. I'm expecting them to try to bring back Marvin Williams as long as the contracts. And these are guys who have played for multiple teams. And if you're expecting someone to take a pay cut, it's a guy. It's guys like this who just want to win a championship. They want to be on a winning team. So now where I run into is some of these young guys that they've drafted over the past few years who play, you know, the tweener between the two and the three, and they're getting, they're starting to get crowded, man. They're starting to get a lot of those guys. I mean, we were just talking about Dante DiVincenzo playing, uh, you know, excellent as of late. Uh, if they're going to bring back Kyle Korver and Marvin Williams, those are some tweener players as well. Marvin's more of that, uh, you know, that three or four than he is a two or a three, but Korver can easily play the two or the three as well uh, in crunch time minutes if they need it. So, I, I, I'm finding it hard that they're going to want to spend on guys like Sterling Brown and Connaughton who are still young, who are going to be, you know, never really had those big contracts yet, who are going to be looking to kind of, you know, I don't expect them to command a lot of money, but probably more than the Bucks are going to be willing to pay. So what do you think about that? And how do you, do you see them keeping three or four of them? Do you let two walk or how do you expect them to take this into the off season? And a lot of it might have to do with how playoffs end up turning out as well. So we could just say that with a caveat. Yeah, you're right. That the X factor there is going to be what happens with those two, the twos and threes. Uh, looks like Wesley Matthews has a player option at 2.6 million. So um, that'll probably be the first domino. Is if he exercises that player option, then you know he's there. Thankfully, they have DiVincenzo under contract at just over three million. So that's a great price for him. And then the next domino, I think, is Corver with his age. I mean, he's already 39. So, like you said, we'll see how the playoffs play out. I mean, if they win the championship, maybe he retires and goes off into the sunset. But he does seem like he's in pretty good shape for a 39-year-old. So, wouldn't surprise me if he wanted to run it back. And, um, you know, if he comes back for the veteran minimum, then, again, that's a great value for a guy coming off the bench who can shoot like that. Um, so, you know, if Corver, if, if Matthews exercises his option and Corver doesn't retire, I think there's a real good chance they run it back with those three guys one more time, along with DiVincenzo. 
And then you're right with Connaughton and Sterling Brown, it's just going to be, well, what can they get on the open market? I, I definitely would not expect both of them to be back. Um, so that'll just come down to, you know, what can they find in the open market? Yeah, and I think I thought this was uh, pretty interesting too. When I was kind of looking up their contracts and who was going to be on the books and off the books, did you know that they're still playing three guys um, that haven't been in the league for a little while? Mirza Toledovic is still getting paid, Larry Sanders is still getting paid, and John Lohr are all going to be receiving money. Yeah, um, I've forgotten about that, but man, what a disappointment with Larry Sanders! What an incredible uh, potential he had. Um, but yeah, I would not have remembered that they'd be paying John Luer for th- two more years after this one. Yeah, uh, that one, that <laughs> one they want to. I wish they had back. Uh, Sanders, no one saw that really coming. He just kind of fell out of love with basketball. I mean, yeah, um, he was a guy. I think, I think his whole his whole thing was, you know, I wanted this. He just he was going through some mental issues, um, yeah. which obviously best wishes to anybody that's going through any sort of thing where you just don't know what your passion is anymore. And that's a tough spot to be in. Um, he, he, he was messing around with skateboarding and some other things. He was just looking for the joy in life and he, he just wasn't finding it playing basketball anymore. So uh, that's kind of what, you know, forced him out of there and didn't want to play anymore. And he was a force, man. I mean, uh, talk about a, uh, you know, season long fantasy monster, uh, a guy that, you know, what you're getting from him, just the blocks, out of this world, great defender. Uh, somebody that would have fit perfectly in their scheme that they got going right now. Can you imagine having to try to go into the paint and uh, you know deal with Larry Sanders, Giannis, and then when Larry Sanders is on the floor, you got Brook Lopez. You got that would just be, uh, I mean, already the best defensive team to another level. That I know that would just be like an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I got as far as the Bucks. I mean, it's it's kind of. What we know, they're they're a tough team to rely on unless they're in a, a tough competitive matchup going against a team like the Lakers, the Clippers, one of these top teams that we know can keep the game intact. And even then, we've seen them, you know, run any team off the floor at sometimes. They're clicking on the night, like we said. We talked about these three-point shooters. If their shots are falling, it's hard for anybody to keep up with them. But not saying they're going to run away with a championship or anything like that because it's about the best team for a seven-game series on any given night. But um, – I definitely think that they're going to be if – if they're clicking, they're going to be a hard team to beat. So, uh, I, I mean, coming back into the season, I'll be looking at guys like Giannis. I'm never going to not look at Giannis on any given slate. Middleton, I've kind of fallen out of love with Bledsoe over the past uh, you know few weeks. Even on days where we see that Giannis is sitting, I'm looking at Middleton. I'm looking at DiVincenzo. Uh, I'll take a nice look at Bledsoe, but – he just doesn't look like he's as aggressive, he, you know, always battling some sort of injury, whether it's, you know, I think it was his ribs um, earlier in the season. He had rib cartilage injury, uh, whether it's ankle injuries, he's, knee injuries, always been dealing with knee soreness because he's such an explosive guard. Uh, but that's kind of it for me, man. I don't play too much Brooke Lopez. Do you? I don't. And some of the stats you hit on earlier, I think were were terrific. And I'll I'll follow up on them in terms of that rebounding information with Giannis on the defensive boards, Lopez not getting any rebounds. I mean, you know, he averages 4.4 rebounds, Lopez, and that's one of the reasons why I don't invest in him in daily fantasy. And I got to laugh just comparing him to the stats from Cantor on, on yesterday's episode that Santino and I discussed. Enos Cantor averages 7.7 rebounds in 17 minutes a game. And Lopez only averages 4.5 rebounds in an extra nine minutes per game. He plays 26.6 minutes. And on the offensive glass, you know, we talk a lot about how Lopez is standing out at the three-point line, drawing the defensive center away from the paint. He only gets 0.7 offensive rebounds per game, while Cantor gets 2.8. So it really makes a massive difference with how many three-point attempts Lopez takes and how he basically just either shoots from distance, doesn't shoot from distance. What he does, he just starts running back to play defense. And you mentioned how Milwaukee is so great on the defensive glass and they lead the, they lead the league in defensive rebounding percentage. Well, offensive, offensively, they rank 26th uh, in offensive rebounding position. So they just – they're so good at getting back in transition and they're so disciplined that they don't get the offensive rebounds. They get back, they make those stops. And, you know, with Lopez so willing to give up those defensive rebounds to Giannis, like you described, I'm going to continue to target Giannis 
over Lopez, I mean, in terms of thinking about, okay, who's going to rebound the ball for Milwaukee? And it's a big stat because of their number one pace. They get so many possessions. So it is it is an important stat to break down. Uh, one, one other thing I'll say on Giannis is I do like him a little bit more on DraftKings over FanDuel. Um, and one there's two reasons for that. One is the turnovers that you mentioned. He's high in turnovers. Obviously, those are it's more of a penalty on FanDuel with uh, losing one point per turnover. But then the steals and blocks. You know, you mentioned the surprise there with his rating. He only gets one steal and one block per game, which is really surprising for a guy with that much athleticism and dominance when he wants to, uh, you know, go up and block a shot at the rim, for example. Uh, and, and just compare him to Wiggins from earlier in the episode today. Wiggins averaging 1.3 steals a game in Golden State and 1.4 blocks. Again, who would have thought that he would have better numbers than Giannis in those categories? So, um, again, that's one more reason to play Giannis on DraftKings because you don't get as much of a bonus on steals and blocks. So there's a takeaway there. And then the one other takeaway that I'll echo, as you mentioned, is just Middleton over Bledsoe. Um, I do prefer him. You know, he's usually a little bit more expensive, but you can get Middleton usually for 3 to 4K less than Giannis. And Middleton is just so much more efficient than both of them from three-point land and at the line. Um, you know, he's 42% from three-point land and 91% at the line. The guy's just a knockdown shooter. And so, the, you know, him being so efficient is just one more reason why I like him over Bledsoe. Not going to argue. He's also shooting 50% from the field. So it's wherever right. he's shooting, he's, he's just money. And um, I, I'm going to touch on, I think, um, you know, Giannis only getting one steal, one block. I think a lot of that has to do with just the little minutes he has to play. I think he's only averaging 30.9 minutes, I'm sure. Uh, if you look at his per 36 numbers, it would be more like 1.2 and 1.2 or 1.3 and 1.3. So, I mean, still not where Wiggins is right now. So I guess that can just show you uh, maybe maybe the more we talk about this, kind of it just screams outlier to me and don't buy into the Wiggins stuff and, um, you know, because I know, I know, I watch basketball, man. There's no way Giannis is a worse defender as when it comes oh, to steals and blocks. Not. Like Andrew Wiggins absolutely stuff. not. That's just screaming out to me. Maybe we don't buy Wiggins stuff as much. Uh, you know, if Giannis had to play a few more competitive games, he'd probably get more steals and blocks. Uh, but hey, we'll, we'll we'll take it, man. Even if he's playing 30 uh, 30 minutes a night or 31 minutes a night. We're okay with it as long as he keeps putting up the numbers he's doing. The guy's averaged in almost 30 actual points per game, almost 14 rebounds, man. 13.7 rebounds, six assists, steal, a block. He's doing everything. Uh, but it's a good point that you bring up, especially on DK. You touched on those bonuses and everything like that. We, you know, I said it earlier. Guy is 52 double doubles in 57 games, so you're getting that double double bonus. You're not getting hurt as much in the turnovers, and then you're not having, you know, to worry about uh, the steals and the blocks like you would over there on, on, on Fanduel. So. I do agree with you. I definitely think he's more of a DK type player, especially because of the position eligibility. That surely helps as well. Yeah, great points. And I certainly don't want to act like I'm trying to say Wiggins is a better defender no, than no. Giannis. But but you're right. I mean, the, the the minutes is one part of it, and then the blowouts is another. And if there's any question, I mean, the image is still in my brain from the All Star game when Giannis chase down LeBron there in the fourth quarter with that incredible block where he so cool. pinned the ball in the glass. I mean, that was just a freak play. And so I, I think the takeaway there is just once we get into the playoffs and, and they're going to need more minutes out of Giannis, I think those steals and blocks numbers will certainly go up. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, also kind of just, you know, worth mentioning a little bit uh, with anytime you're talking about Giannis and defensive stats and everything like that. Uh, defensive stats don't mean a guy's a good or a bad defender. I mean, we could take a look at Hassan Whiteside, who leads the league in blocks this season, but he's statistically one of the worst defensive centers in the league. Teams just dominate him, dominate the Blazers when they go in there in the paint. So you could be very good at blocking shots and not be a good defender. And the same thing comes on wing defense. You could be very good at steals. Maybe you're better at reading uh, passing lanes and getting your hands in the passing lanes. But that doesn't necessarily make you a lockdown defender. Um, so don't, you know, don't take uh, too much for granted when you're just looking at, you know, the stats themselves. Uh, you got to kind of take the number and look at everything and, and make your judgment and everything based on that. 
That's right. We dig in at DFS Coach Talk. We like to dig, man. We like to dig. That's uh, that's kind of what we got into this. We're the types of guys that wake up with a cup of coffee at 6 a.m. and then say, let's go find what weird stats nobody else is looking for because that's what gets us fired up. That's right. You said it. <laughs> all right, man. Well, that's that's all I got for the Bucks. I think. I mean, you you bring in some nuggets, man. I, I like uh, I like the way you broke down that whole Middleton, and um, I didn't even think about looking at it from the aspect of which you know which website or which platform I'd like to play Giannis on. And you brought up some great points. Uh, you know, absolutely great points and great and great stuff on the Warriors too, man. I love doing some pods with you, man. You always bring some stuff that I didn't even think about looking into, um, and I think that's 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 your. Uh, that's your goal. I mean, if you can if you can come in here and you can bring nuggets that, you know, you know, I'm out here looking up every single thing I possibly could. And if I'm not finding them, then you're doing something right, man. So I do appreciate you being on here and uh, and running through these teams with me. And, you know, I'll just mention, as we always do, if you guys have a quick second, please give us a rate review. Thumbs up. We're all over the place. YouTube, iTunes. Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, uh, a little bit of everywhere. So it means a lot to us. It allows us to kind of take your constructive criticism, make our platform and make our podcast and website and all the content that we're providing you guys just a little bit better. So we do appreciate that. And if you can give us a, a nice quick follow on Twitter. You can shoot us any kind of questions. You can see the stuff that we're looking up. Uh, me and Andrew are always retweeting fun little tidbit information that we're seeing on the, on the Twitter sphere. So you can find me at Micah Patria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Andrew at Language Olympic, L-A-N-G-U-A-G-E-O-L-Y-M-P-I-C. And uh, it looks like we're going to be hearing another fun little podcast. I believe tomorrow it's going to be Coach and Santino, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm pretty bad with schedules, as you as you guys probably know from the past, but I believe Coach <laughs> and Santino are going to be on tomorrow breaking down with the Suns and the Timberwolves. So two young teams that... I'm excited to talk about. I'm not going to be able to get on that show, but I'm going to be chirping up Santino probably off air a little bit about them because, you know, I'm, I'm very I'm a big Devin Booker guy. Uh, and I do think that at some point he will be on that Timberwolves team. Uh, you know, they talked about it for years, getting Dan, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker. That Those three guys are like best friends off of uh off the court too, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you ever see they're always playing Xbox together. I I, I have too much time on YouTube, man, uh, where I'm watching NBA players play Xbox. But uh, <laughs> you gotta you gotta think that if if this Suns team doesn't turn it around eventually, he's the frustration is gonna mount and he's gonna do whatever he could to find his way next to his buddies. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, they're gonna break that down. Um, I was talking with Santino about that as well, which that would be a blockbuster. So. Uh, yeah, everybody tune in tomorrow for some Timberwolves and Suns talk, who I think are two teams in the West with a lot of potential here moving forward. Yeah, and I'll just say, if you guys have any questions, like let's say you're a Suns fan and you want, you're dying to know something and we didn't touch on it. Shoot these guys a, a, a tweet, you know, shoot us a message, shoot us something. Come in to join us in the Discord. Bring this stuff up before we jump on because we'll be happy to answer these questions for you. I mean, there's some things that uh, we just overlook and it's not by mistake and it's not. Uh, anything like that. Sometimes we look at these stats every single day that some stuff that might not pop off the page to us might be interesting to you. So if there's something that you're looking to get answered or anything like that regarding a player or a contract, a potential trade, uh, anything, uh, we'll be happy to field those for you guys and, and get those on there for you. So uh, do not be shy. Reach out. Let us have it. We'll, we're, we're looking for these questions to answer, man. So uh, that's all I got. I don't know if there's anything else you want to leave us on, Andrew. Oh, no, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll finish that thought. Um, when Mike says Discord, that's our membership chat area, and you can become a member if you go to dfscoachtalk.com and come in on a weekly or monthly or yearly package. Your membership will be frozen until sports start up again, but you'll have all the membership benefits of, of being in Discord, chatting with us, um, and so we'd love to have you. Absolutely, man. That's a good plug right there because I didn't even mention it. Yes, guys, come join our Discord. It's uh, it's completely worth it. It's fun. We're going to be starting a new uh, simulation challenge, I believe, starting today. So, uh, you know, the hoodie was given away, but that doesn't mean that there's not more free prizes that we're going to be throwing out there for somebody that could take down a couple of these simulation games. Uh, I, I know I'm going to be in there. I know it's going to be tough, though, Andrew, because you've been just killing the simulation game. And uh, I know you like free stuff. Well, I've been owning second place. But that, that doesn't get you anything in these contests. You got to win first place. But you're right. That's one thing that you that's not offered if you're not a member. So come become a member so you can get in these contests with us and win 
free stuff, T-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, um, additional free months of membership. Uh, so we have a lot of fun in Discord for sure. Yes, and uh, we were talking a little bit before on air. I have just too many autographs, guys. I'm looking to give these things away to our members. Um, you know, I got tons of player autographs, and I've already kind of pulled out the first one that we're going to be doing for a giveaway. Uh, we do not know when this will be, maybe the next contest, but I'll just give it a quick plug. I have a nice CJ McCollum autograph waiting to be given to you guys. So, uh, you know, come join. We got a lot of free fun stuff, a lot of giveaways, a lot of stuff just to kind of keep the the momentum of sports going when it's not there right now. So we're here. We're talking. We're having fun. Come join us. Absolutely. Amen. All right. That's it, guys. So like I said, Coach and Santino will be on tomorrow talking about the Suns and the Timberwolves. That is all we have for you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to us. As always, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy some loved one, uh, some time with your loved ones. Stay out of the public. Uh, and let's all look forward to getting back into the NBA grind once it gets back on. Dribble up and down the court, just like I